Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. How's it going, Eva? Good day. Um, so before we started recording, we were just talking about how this is a time where we're just trying to get to the you know next holiday. Since this is the time where it's um, wait, I guess Easter is coming up, but coming that's up. about it. Yeah. yeah, Easter's coming up fast. Uh, I think it's earlier this year too than than normal, if I'm not mistaken, which I totally could be, but. Yeah, we've got Easter coming up, but we shouldn't overlook some holidays. Technically, today's not a real, not even a real holiday, but we're recording this on Pi Day. So 314, which totally made up holiday, but a fun holiday. If if you don't celebrate, um, you should by How getting some, is this? yeah, by getting some pie uh, and just eating pie in its various forms. Which, yeah, my wife was telling yes. me she was at the store and just wasn't even thinking they had just a whole bunch of pies out. She's like, what in the world? Why is there so many pies out? But, and then remembered and so ended up getting a, you know, a pie, obviously, so we could celebrate pie day. There you go. So I guess um, take the little, the little holidays as you can get them. So how does one go about establishing a holiday? Like, I know this is not like a federal holiday, but how, how do I just say tomorrow's cat day? I, I just do it. I, that's, I think that's pretty much my attitude just, about stuff. It's just, have to go. yeah, just go for it and do it and make it happen. Huh. But then how do I, this is just such a black box to me. I don't understand how these random days just kind of happen. How does one go about just filing that into everyone's mind and say, today's pie day. I say so. Um, I know a lot of these holidays have, you know, a tradition behind it, but then if I have to guess, you know, pie day, what could that be? You know what I'm saying? Am I just thinking too much about it and I should just go get a pie and yeah. be don't, happy? <laughs> don't overthink it. Yeah. There's no, I think that's what makes them so good is one you don't need to overthink it like there's like do you really need a reason to have pie and i think the reasons you know you can be pretty pretty loose about it it's 314 that sounds like a pretty good day for pie so let's have some pie and every that's something that i think all of us can get behind so this is so interesting to me i am definitely down with the pie but um what's your favorite pie Oh man, that, that is such a tough question. All the- okay. Chicken pot pie doesn't count. That is not the kind of pie we're talking about here, right? We're talking about dessert pie. We're talking about dessert pies for sure. Okay. Um, Thank you. You know, I'd probably have to go with some sort of uh, like Oreo chocolate pie. Like those are my favorite types of pies. We're a big fan of like um, turtle, like turtle pies or Oreo chocolate pie and that sort of thing. Love them. But fruit pies, any, really any type of pie. Like I'm, I just, I love pie. It's all good. Just kind of across the board, just universal yeah. love for yep. all pies. Yes. But I have never heard of Oreo chocolate 
pie. Is that what you just said? Yeah. So like Oreo crust. So pretty much any type of pie that has like the Oreo crust and has like a chocolate, um, you know, like a chocolate filling with, you know, some sort of nuts and chocolate and whipped cream, that sort of thing. Um, those are, that's just, that's delightful right there. That sounds very sugary. Yes. That's all I have to say. It sounds like five pounds of sugar each bite. Just pure heaven. I think Marie Callender's makes like a turtle pie or like a chocolate satin pie along those lines, which is delightful. I think there are other ones too, but you just, you can't go wrong with something like that. It's just, it's pure heaven. Go, go get yourself, go get yourself (laughs) a, a turtle pie or something along those lines. Anything with like an Oreo crust, chocolate filling, just you do yourself a favor. You deserve it. This (laughs) (laughs) you're responsible for the obesity um for american people kyle right here this is you yeah you deserve it within (laughs) reason so you know oh man after this this episode goes out uh, the diabetic whatever trend (laughs) they track just goes up by 10 percent. this is this is the episode that caused that what is that called epidemic of um pie obesity and that (laughs) cause induced diabetes right here. But, um, I love a sugary pie, but I still need, need the crust to be more buttery than sugary. Mm-hmm. I'm like the traditional crust, crust, that type of crust. Sure. Like I just cannot do, I don't know, even graham crackers seems wrong or like any crumbly crust. I just want a buttery flaky crust. My favorite one, probably just good old apple pie. The best. Classic. And during yeah. non-holiday season, just go to McDonald's and get one too. <laughs> <laughs> Hold you over until you can get the real deal. So, man, Thanksgiving seems so far away now. <laughs> That's why Pi Day is perfectly placed. Just almost opposite. I don't know if it's perfectly opposite, but just nearly opposite of Thanksgiving. So here in March, Pi Day. It's perfect. But then we still have six more months. Seven more months. Yeah. That's a like long that. time. It is. I say we have pie day every quarter. A quarterly Just, pie day. Yeah. See, yes. there you go. That's something that I think we could all get behind. Perfect. I'll go, I'll go to the holiday office to file that application. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of pie and thinking that we're going to go to McDonald's to fulfill our immediate needs of pie. Would you say that whatever you can get at McDonald's for a dollar is kind of an MVP for a pie? <laughs> is it working? Is it not working? Um, let's see. I'll give a C minus to the segue. Like, oh, thank it was, you. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good, solid attempt to, to segue us into the topic of MVPs for today. Yes. The effort is A plus plus, but the end result is C minus. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. It was it was thank a you. good it was a good try, with thank not you. a lot to work with. So, thank you. Yeah, but what are we talking about today? Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> talking about MVPs, which really really interesting and somewhat controversial topic, which makes it really exciting. Ooh. Which I love. It is. It is. Which no. Oh yeah. Which is why I love. We love talking about about controversial topics, don't we? Uh, Within the product and design world, 
And that's what makes this one exciting. I think it's controversial because it's been so over, well, not overused, but overused, misused. Um, oh, I see. I see. Used possibly incorrectly, misunderstood. Maybe misunderstood is a good way to talk about it. But with that, let's dive into MVPs and a little bit about them, what they are, how to use them, uh, some examples. So to kick us off, should we talk a little bit about the history of MVPs? Because I, I think that it's it, it's a little bit interesting yeah. like where where they came from. So the the concept was as we as we've been reading about it created by a person named Frank Robinson. But I think the the term really gained popularity from Eric Reese and Steve Blank, which I think is probably where most of us became familiar with it in the lean startup and that whole movement uh, that uh, really that Eric Reese and, and Steve Blank popularized. And MVP, of course, means a minimal or minimum viable product. And you know they popularized this idea and this term, meaning a version of a, of a product that enables a full turn, and, I, and I'm quoting from their book here, of the build, measure, learn loop with a minimum amount of effort and the least amount of development time. So, of course, you know, that's kind of what they were talking about in the lean startup and in, mm-hmm. you know, as they were writing about the these concepts is how can you uh, get through that build, measure, learn loop the fastest and with the least amount of development and with the least amount of effort. So they, they kind of took this concept uh, that was created a, a while ago, made it really popular. And from there, I think everybody just kind of took hold of it in lots of lots of different ways uh, because it was something that I think everybody had a con lots of people had a concept of and it was so important for product development uh, especially with agile with lean with all of those things that we that we all just kind of took it and ran with it it worked wonders but I think that's kind of where some of the problems started to really arise and uh, yeah so that's a little bit of the history of where it came from and, and what it's about. I'm just waiting for the the scandalous, the controversial part to come up. But yeah, um, I think this is a very interesting topic. And especially when you're talking about like what it really is. And nowadays I hear a lot and sometimes even at a point uh, we just start using that term to kind of justify some of the decisions in the process. And um, so this is actually one episode that I'm excited to dive into and understanding where it came from is, is interesting. That's the side that I don't have as much insight into. So, yeah. So maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Like, let's talk about the controversy and then we can get into what is an MVP for real, because I think that Mm. like getting into uh, all of, you know, at least some of the controversy and some of the, the issues that I've seen, maybe that you've seen would help us dive into the, the, fact about like what is truly an MVP because I think we had this concept it became really popular like everybody's mm-hmm. a cold of it and now we use it like for everything 
And that's, and that's probably part of the problem. Like we actually, in one company I worked for, we had, um, we had to stop using the term MVP just because it meant so many things to so many different people that like you couldn't use it without it being just an absolutely loaded term that as soon as you mentioned it, like people would just start to like cringe or they'd be like, Oh no, MVP. And like, (laughs) what does that mean? So that's where I think like it's gone off the rails of Mm -hmm. like, what is it supposed to be? And, and that's why I want to define, stay tuned because we are going to define <laughs> once and for all. I'm here on this episode. We will be defining once and for all, what is an MVP, like the true definition of it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be exciting, but what is the controversy bef- before we get into that? So some of the controversies are like you were saying, we use it to justify like this is MVP. So it doesn't have it doesn't have the things that you want in it. Like it's just meant to get out like super fast. So that's like one thing that we use MVP for is like, this is just like, it's just meant to ship super fast. So like incomplete product would be one thing that we, we use MVP for. What are some other things that you've, that you've seen in your experience? Oh man. I even think that what you just said there covers so many of the scenarios where it's kind of like what you mentioned, throwing out that term to kind of just move on from that question, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then to kind of use it sometimes as an excuse to ship out an incomplete product, right? Because it's more painful to try to wrangle all the stakeholders stakeholders, and tell them, oh, we can't ship because it's not done. Let's push you know, the launch date. And um, versus sometimes using MVP and not really realizing, okay, are we really shipping the right things out the door? You know, um, I just feel like it's, like you said, very loaded. And I also think that sometimes the lack of research to support what actually needs to be done within the scope of an MVP also is very common because usually when MVP happens from my experience is when you don't have enough resource to do it, you know, uh, the proper scoping or the proper, um, architecture, you know, just exploring what we want to ship. And, um, and in that case, you don't even know your MVP is actually hitting the right needs or not. I think that's also very common. Um, but I think what you mentioned and, and the issue that I, I just, uh, talked about is what I've seen in my, um, experience. Yeah. Those are really painful experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yep. so. Yeah. I think it could be any of those things. Um, incomplete, uh, we don't have enough. Um, we're like, we're fighting against a deadline. So this is as much as we can do in the time that we've been given. So this is what we're calling MVP and we're like, we're sending it out. I think that's another great one. What are some other ones that, that we've seen that, uh, this is just like bare bones too, I think is another one like this. We're calling it MVP, but w- this is like as stripped down a thing as we can make it. And so, and actually like consider it something that we can actually release. And so we're going to call it MVP and justify like how stripped down it is based on the fact that it's MVP and just like, no, no, it's MVP. It's MVP. And so those types of things, right. um, so like a justification for how, um, how bare bones something is or justification for, for why yes. things don't work. Like it doesn't work exactly. because it's MB it's this MVP. Um, so like right. we use, we use it to justify like 
it, it covers it covers a multitude of sins, I guess. Is like this is <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the best way to summarize what I was trying to get at too. It's using that as an excuse to answer many questions that like MVP is not the answer. But yeah. then it feels like that's the, the, the stop for now. Cause I don't know what else to do. So, oh yeah, it's an MVP and yep. then moving on. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So though, those I think are why it has become so contentious, at least some of the reasons, um, there are probably others that we could continue to explore. I don't know if you have any others that, that come readily to mind. Yeah. One thought is that, um, since a lot of the times when you're in the middle of the MVP phase, if it's painful, right. Cause there's so many things you want to do and there's no end in sight to when the MVP phase is ending. And when you feel like it's ending, well, you know, what, what is after MVP and without that planning and the roadmap of post MVP phase, I think it also makes MVP feels even more loaded and emotional a lot of the times. And so, yeah, but I want to talk about that pyramid of the um, hierarchy of needs of how a true MVP slides. But I, I, I think we're going to get to that in a second of what an MVP is. Yeah. So Yeah. Let's definitely talk about that. So this is, so I, I want to give you my, what I, what my definition of a, the true definition of an MVP. Now this is just what I consider it. And uh, and we'll we'll kind of dive into like what MVPs should be and and some examples and why we use them and and things like that. But ultimately, the one true definition of MVP for me is that there are many definitions of an MVP. And I think that we <laughs> I think that we get hung up on the idea that one, there has to be one specific, uh, definition of an MVP in that, you know, an MVP is this, or an MVP is that, um, you know, an MVP is this amount of things or, and, and I've seen this all across the board, like an MVP isn't actually a product. It is a test or an MVP mm -hmm. is the bare number of, uh, things that you can ship or the MVP is, um, you know, it's the minimum, lovable mm -hmm. product. Like it's any of these different things. Yes. And I think that it could be any of those, but mm -hmm. what it has to be at its core is it has to be about answering a question. Yeah. Uh, and that changes based on your context. And so there isn't necessarily one right question to ask, but you have to know what question you're asking. And those could be a variety of different things. Like, does anybody want this product that we're building or will people pay for this product? Can we actually build something like this? Can this product support a business or a business expansion? And so I think that those are all like valid MVP questions to mm -hmm. be asking. And then what is it that we need to do to actually answer those? And those are different levels of like MVP building that we right. need to do in order to answer those types of questions. And some of them might be like absolutely minimum, uh, product offering, like what's the minimum that we can build and then actually get out there to test that question and answer it. Some of them might not be, some of them might be like, we have to actually 
build something that works rather well to determine like, will this support a full fledged business or expansion? Um, and some of them might not even be a, like a product at all. Um, like in the case of, of Dropbox, like the, the famous example of just a landing page, um, you know, do people, are people even interested in something like this and will they sign up for it? And, you know, that is a very good MVP for just testing the question of, is this something that people want and just getting people to sign up for right. it. So uh, as long as you can have a, a question in mind and then go and do the work to answer that. Um, I think that that for me is like the key, like what's the question that we're, that we're answering and then what's the right level of work that we need to do in order to answer that and not trying to justify it after the fact of like, this is, right. this is MVP. And, and that's why like our product sucks right now, but <laughs> rather being like, okay, we're going to do this level of work because we need to answer this question and here's how we're going to go about it and then move that forward. So everybody is kind of on the same page in, you know, we're going to test whether people actually want this product and here's how we're going to do it. And that's why it has this set of features and we're going to this number of, of users and then testing out the actual hypothesis and, and the question and answering it. And not just launching something that's like, you know, half-baked or um, mm -hmm. not baked at all and calling it MVP, which is where I think it's been overused and misused because you're not, you're not, you're not answering a question at that point. You're just like half-baking a product, launching yep. it and saying, oh, it's MVP. So <laughs> we don't have to do the full amount of work. Um, so anyway, that is my true definition of it and how we should go about it and why there's so much controversy in it. Yeah, I think um, to your point too, what an MVP is and the way I compare an MVP to a full, you know, well-developed uh, mature product is that MVP to me in layman's term, I think it really is like a teaser to a movie or a pilot episode to the full season of a TV show because it should deliver a realistic, you know, um, feel to what the full, you know, uh, product can be, but it doesn't mean that it's completely ignoring the enjoyable part of it or anything that is, that needs to be user-friendly. Right. Um, it's the, the way I sometimes think about it too. And tell me what you think is there are ways for users to interact with a machine, a system, right? And we can make it nice and give them buttons to push and you know what the button does so that you push that button and the user knows exactly what it's supposed to do. And to me, that's minimal, right? But then sometimes I go into conversations and um, that line is also drawn in a different place when I, you know, in that conversation and realize, wait, when we talk about MVP, it's a very different view uh, from my head to another person's head too. So it's very interesting to every, every time I could get into uh, what are we aiming for, for MVP with another person? Because I can see, you know, my most uh, minimal viable, viable option is like, yeah, let's make sure that button works. Let's make sure the instruction on the interface is easy to understand. But then for an engineer, um, this is actually a conversation that happened a long time ago in my career one time, is that they think okay, well, why don't we just give them an input field to punch in the exact function or what they want the machine to do and just hit enter. 
but then they have to spell the word exactly how, you know, it's supposed to be spelled and there's no uppercase or lowercase. Everything has to be lowercase. But then at that point, I was like, hold on a minute. Um, when we talk about MVP, it doesn't mean that we're making it, un, you know, user friendly. And um, that's when I want to bring out that minimal viable product um, pyramid. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen that pyramid that talks about the hierarchy of needs, right? And imagine if you have not seen it, imagine a pyramid, the top level is basically um, enjoyable features or enjoyable elements in your product. And then um, one layer down is uh, usable features that that might be um, nice to have. And then one layer down is, uh, I think, functional features to really deliver to the core needs of the users. And uh, the wrong way to build an MVP is to only covering the functional portion of of what your product should offer. And the right way to slice that pyramid is that we're offering a little bit of everything on each of the tier within that pyramid so that it is a very limited feature set, but then it is a solid feature set where um, we're not trying to do everything and then nothing is done right, but it's a small feature set that feels uh, functional, feels usable and also enjoyable to use. So that's kind of why I describe it as like a pilot episode of a TV show, <laughs> it should get people excited to keep using your product and know that there is more coming versus, oh, there's no future because nothing is working. <laughs> so, so I think that the scoping portion is very, very important in um, deciding what an MVP is and it affects, you know, a lot of the future planning of where your product can go to. But to me, yeah, MVP is basically that little teaser, there's more to come. It should convey that feeling. Yeah. And it has to, uh, it has to provide like the right level of value to, mm-hmm. to whatever the specific users are. So, uh, it can't be like, like you were saying, um, just absolute crap, uh, you know, across mm-hmm. the board, it has to have, you know, slice all the way up and down so that it mm-hmm. is, valuable and even delightful in some ways, like, um, you know, just baseline functionality that there probably are instances, you know, where that could be right. But again, we have to think about what is the question that we're answering and who is the group that we're targeting and how will we know if we've done a good job answering that and making sure that it's not just, you know, we're not building the wrong thing in the wrong way, but we're actually going about it and trying to deliver something that answers, you know, the, the right questions. Like, will people, you know, one of the questions like, will people actually pay for this thing? Um, you know, that's a, that's a huge question that is for, you know, for a new product and, uh, you know, making sure that there is enough, you know, it can't just be like, basic functionality across the board, you know, a much better way to build something like that is, you know, to thin slice it kind of like you were talking about where you have the basic functionality, but also like Mm -hmm. some intermediate and then some really delightful things and then target that, you know, who is it that might be really interested in this? It's not for everybody right now, but it's for a very specific user group who would find specific value in this. And let's, let's see if we can build something that they would find very compelling, would pay for. And then let's expand it from there. Let's not try and make something that is very basic that everybody wants, but let's find something that's valuable 
for a specific group, see if they'll pay, if they would pay for it and then see if we can expand it from there uh, rather than, you know, the other way where it's, you know, just building basic functionality and then, you know, trying to add something useful on top of that and then delightful, you know, well after that. And, but making sure that we have like the right questions uh, to ask as we, uh, you know, as we go forward, because if we're not doing that, then we just kind of miss the whole point of it, of a minimal viable product or a minimal, you know, there's lots of different variations of that MVP um, that we use and that people throw around to try and help us think in that direction. Like there's MVP, uh, there's MLP, which is like minimal lovable product. So like, what is the, you know, you have the minimal still, which is like that, that thin slice, but rather than viable, which is maybe has gotten a little overused to replace it with yeah. love lovable. So what is something that people would love or valuable? So replace mm-hmm. the V with valuable. So what's something that people would valuable? Um, and then product, uh, you know, what is that product that people would love? Um, and I've, I've seen that replaced with like prototype versus product and things like that, which, you know, one might be a prototype and one, one might be a product. And I think the real key uh, to all that, and I don't think any of those are necessarily wrong, but it's really just like defining what is it that we're trying to achieve with this. So not getting hung up on it's MVP, it's MLP, it's prototype, it's product. Like <laughs> lots of people try and like parse those like MVP shouldn't be a product, it's a prototype or that sort of thing. That's fine. Either way, you just need to know what it is that you're building. Like yep. it could be a product, it could be a prototype. What question is, is it that you're answering and that helps define how you're building it, who you're targeting yes. and what your path forward is, you know, because if it's a prototype, that's fine. You're out to learn something specific and maybe you're not going to market it like you would a product. I, I still, you know, anything that you're building for me is a product, even if it's, you know, you can define whether, you know, you're going to be selling it as a product or just testing right. it. But anyway, we're, we're kind of fiddling over semantics at that point, whatever helps you though, like prototype or product, like just define it, know what you're doing and know what questions you're asking. And then you can move forward in the best way possible. Yeah. I do like the, um, idea of having the right language to talk about what we're building actually helps to set expectations, um, with stakeholders, with just everybody on the team too, because even comparing the name, you know, oh, we're building a prototype versus a MVP, that I think helps to to because to me, pro- prototype is something that you put out to test. It's not so much like this is a done deal and 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 we're gonna move on, right? Where sometimes I think stakeholders, in my experience, have mistaken MVP as like this is the end because well we gave out something viable. Why do we need to invest more to put out more if we have something viable? Right. And that's something I think is important in terms of communication, communication and aligning expectations. So I do appreciate, you know, sometimes using the right term, but I see what you're saying by not getting into the semantics of (laughs) what is this, you know, and let that um, overshadow the, strategy of what you're actually scoping yeah. like, to do. So, yeah. and you, you know, you've, you've got a bigger problem when you have people who are like, Oh, we've got the MVP out. We're good. Because that was like, <laughs> you, you've, <laughs> you, you've missed the mark too. Oh. When an MVP is like the goal 
the end goal as opposed to like the starting point, uh, which definitely it was always, it's always meant to be a starting point. Like, what is it that we, because again, it goes back to the idea of like, we're answering a question or we're answering questions and then we build off of this. So like it is a first iteration in whatever iteration that is. So like defining, you know, what is it that we're doing? Who are we targeting? You know, what kind of makes the cut versus what doesn't like, uh, and then how, how do we, once we've answered the question or questions that we're asking, how do we take that and move forward into whatever the next version or next iteration is, or how do we pivot and move to, to something else? Because, you know, the, obviously the answer could be like, no, this isn't something that is going to sustain a business or something that people would pay right. for, or, uh, you know, something that is viable, uh, for, for us as a business or for users or doesn't solve needs in the way that we were expecting to. So what then? And so like, those are things that if, <laughs> if people are looking at an MVP as like, oh, we did it, we can move on. Then you're definitely looking at it in the wrong way yep. because it it needs to be the first step in answering a question as you know is this you know is this going to help us is it going right. to help our users and then how do we move forward it's definitely not hey we got the first version of our product out and it's a crappy version but it's good enough let's move on to the next thing the next crappy thing that we can get out and you know, see how how much crappy stuff we can put out there in as fast as fast as possible. Like that's not what an MVP is. But I think that that's how some people think of it. It's like mm-hmm. let's just get a whole bunch of yeah, whole, whole bunch of first versions out there. We'll call them MVPs, and that justifies it. Like we're justified because it's an MVP, and we'll just keep throwing crap out and see what sticks. And that's not not at all what it should be. I think you just explained a lot of the moments of me wondering, is this the right conversation we're having? Like in, in, in my experience, cause like that mentality <laughs> probably is what happened <laughs> yeah. yep. um, when conversations like that happen. And I, I think too, sometimes this is such a pain that comes up, right? Cause on the product team, I think a lot of the times it's easy to align all of us and say, this is, what we want to build as the MVP. And then once it's outside of the team, when we have to communicate to stakeholders, or I, I think this is the episode that I talk about stakeholders probably the most, because I do think, <laughs> think that that's where um, we have a little more understanding of what we're aiming for. And then the second one, it gets to the stakeholders. That's when it gets a little mistranslated of what an MVP is. That's where it gets painful too. Um, but I, I do want to add that. I, I can only guess like if your MVP by the time it gets out and all stakeholders, everyone's like, okay, then that means we're done. That probably means your MVP probably is also overscoped where it's way past the MVP point. If there's nothing more to offer after. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. And like you mentioned at the very beginning, there's not one correct answer to how you scope your MVP, but this just feels messy. MVP, yeah. MVP is difficult. It, it is. And it can be, um, it's definitely, and I think that's why there's so, so much confusion and so many different 
uh, versions of it. Like when you look at it in theory, again, going back to this whole theory and practice, like it, it feels like a pretty clear concept in theory, but it's when you start to put it into practice, like everybody has their own interpretation of it and everybody has their own preconceived ideas based on what they've seen in the past or how people have operated that all of a sudden come into play. And uh, from different product teams where MVP has meant one thing to different companies where it's meant another thing to, you know, stakeholders within an organization where it's meant, you know, something like it means the first version that it may not have everything I want, but it's good enough. And so like, we don't need to do anything else, even to users where like MVP means different things to, you know, depending on, you know, their level of sophistication or, or whatnot. So uh, it can be, and that's why it's such, it can be such a loaded term depending on yes. who you talk to and why I think def defining it just before we move into like when we say MVP, what is it that we mean is so important just as like a product team, as a product organization, even as a, not necessarily as a, as a company, because I, I don't know that you have to like set that, you know, set that as like, okay, this is, you know, as a company, when we say it, this is what we mean. But like, as uh, you know, each group, as you're, as you're doing that to say like, okay, you know, we, we want to, to work on an MVP for this. When we say that, what is it that we mean? Like what questions do we need to answer? You know, what's kind of the level that we're going in to define this? Uh, you know, how will we know when we've answered those questions and tested out like our assumptions and, and things like that? And then being able to come back and say like, okay, this we've, we've succeeded at it. We've even, we've either right. proved ourselves right, proved ourselves wrong. And now we can go back and make some changes and, and move forward. Um, those are, those are difficult things like setting like the, the level of, you know, here's what we are saying in MVP is, for this thing, here's here's why we're doing that. Here's how we're going to test it out. Um, you know, we're having those conversations frequently in a lot of the products and and features that we're doing because we're in the process on uh, our teams of launching a whole bunch of new 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 products and like what is the right level to kind of set some of those expectations at and it's a difficult line and we've, we've used um, a lot of like story mapping to go through and say like, okay, what is the, wh what is everything that we need? And then like, where, where do we start to draw some of the lines at? And, you know, so we'll map everything out and then start to draw lines and say like, okay, this is, we have to have these, we have to be able to do these things and, and not these other things. And then those lines right. will move and you'll, uh, and then as you start moving forward, you, you start asking, you know, some questions like, well, you know, here's, we're assuming this thing about, uh, our users when we get out there, like this, this was like a huge assumption. Like, how can we start to test this out quicker? Because like, we really need to know this right away. Like, can we, can we do something faster to test this out than, than what we're doing? So those are all conversations and questions that you need to be asking. And uh, an MVP is about like asking those questions and testing out some of those assumptions that you're making. That was a lot, but I think, so I, I, I to me, MVP is sometimes, like you said, kind of ambiguous, kind of a nebulous thing where nobody knows where exactly to draw the line, where then the product manager has to be the one who, you know, draws that line. Right. Um, I think 
I want to call back to my comment earlier too, is that when there's so many things on the table, I think it's very important to make sure there's a future to your MVP face and what can people look forward to after MVP, right? I think setting that uh, expectations and knowing that roadmap also helps to understand what MVP truly is and what, what it actually means. Um, Kyle, do you have any ex- uh, uh, experience in when you're trying to, I guess, plan out, plan out for an MVP and people just have different, I guess, plays where they want to draw the line and say, no, this needs to be MVP. And then some might say this is not part of MVP. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, a whole bunch actually. So recently, yes, like we've, we've gone through this exercise with a new product, um, that we haven't even done much with other than like start to investigate. Uh, and that one has been a little bit simpler just because it's, I'd say less, probably less high stakes, uh, right now, Mm. higher stakes one though. Uh, this was a few years ago where, there was a lot of different people and we were working across like numerous departments, numerous people across an organization and basically like laying out the functioning new products for the company, biggest thing that we'd ever built basically. And so uh, it was uh, what, you know, how do we draw the line at uh, what an MVP looks like and how do we test out some of the assumptions that we're making. And it was like that sort of thing is super, super difficult. And not even just at the very beginning, but along all along the different phases. Cause it wasn't just, it, it was a, a product with like multiple different components that touched a whole bunch of different users. So users like within the organization, outside the organization. And so, and then within multiple different departments. So like we're building MVP for this area and then MVP for another area. And, and so how do you start to work within that framework and say like, okay, this is, you know, this is what we think, you know, go through and, and I'm a huge fan of like user story mapping and that, and that's like my go-to thing, like mapping out here's, here's what we're doing. Here's like the core functionality. And then we'll just go through and start to say like, okay, here's, here's where we think like the absolute core functionality is, it's like these three things. Like if we can do this, will that, like, will that satisfy our needs? And, and a lot of the, the trade-offs are in like, yes, but you know, if we can't do this, then mm-hmm. it's a showstopper for us. Like, okay. Mm. Yep. Then figuring out like, what does, what does that mean? Like showstopper, like you, you can't, you can't do your right. job or like, it just makes it uncomfortable or like it makes it uncomfortable for how long, like those types of things. Right. Like, okay, well, yeah, we, we can get by doing something like that, but only for like six months or only for like a month or right. like, okay. So be starting to work within some of the constraints and be like, okay, if we, if we can build this functionality, but then, and this gets into some examples of like MVP two, like, um, you know, building out the, the product itself, but then doing either some like concierge or wizard of Oz stuff like behind the curtain where, um, you build out like the first version of the product. And we did this where it's like, here's the product, here's what you do. And then behind the scenes, like we had people doing stuff like, so the users would do something and then behind the scenes, like we'd have to do other stuff. So they would never see 
that what was going on, but they would, you know, have the interface, they would do their thing. And then behind the scenes, like we would have to be like generating a report or doing like some manual things to make other stuff happen for them. Not so pretty stuff. Yeah. All the not so, yeah, Yeah. all the not so pretty stuff until we could, you know, see what were the most important things and then build out those and, and, and everything. So taking each thing step by step, but um, those are huge, huge trade-offs that you kind of go through the MVP process and um, you know, you get the things that users say and then the things that they won't tell you and you just have to like learn and watch and understand, but making sure that it's valuable enough that, uh, especially in our case, like in that example, that they'll make the switch uh, because that was the whole, the whole point is like we needed, we needed them to switch over. We needed them to want to, like we, we had to get everybody to buy into what we were doing and, and want to move over to, to what we were building. Otherwise, you know, the whole thing would be pointless and, and make it more valuable than what they were already doing. And so how do you, how do you do that? How do you make it more valuable than what they are, than the tools that they already have? And yeah. Yeah. I think, um, from your examples, it sounds like those are more internal products. Is that true? It was, so it was both. So what we were doing was an internal and external. So it was like the whole, um, this was for an educational institution. So it was like the internal and external, um, tools. So the tools like the faculty were using, and then the tools that all of the, uh, uh, students and, and other external people were using as well. So you had like both of like the, I don't want to say customers, but like the actual customers outside using, and then like internal uh, users as well. So you had like these multiple groups all interfacing with the same thing, which made it like extra, just added a layer of complexity to it. Um, but it was, uh, super, super exciting stuff and, and fascinating. This is interesting. Cause like I, as you were talking about your stories too, I was thinking like in my career, what have I done and what's the different approach when it comes to like internal product versus consumer facing products, right? Cause they're I think the MVP, how you draw the line in those two different areas are very, very different where, um, tell me how you feel about this. So to me, internal, internal products, it's not something that we can just say, well, we'll just go after one group of users and the other group, mm, no, not MVP, right? Like that's not possible with internal products. And it's something that we have to prioritize more user needs and what, what other workarounds can they have in order for us to make sure MVP is targeting everybody, but on a level that fulfills the top needs of everybody for in, internal products, right? And versus consumer-facing products, I think it's kind of another uh, different approach where I'm targeting a smaller group of users, but make sure I'm fulfilling um, their needs uh, well. And and slowly we're going to develop post MVP to capture more and more audience, which is again just a different approach to building MVP for internal products versus consumer products. What do you think of that? Yeah, um, and, and that's kind of one of the things that uh, we're like we're going through right now, like with a new a new product that uh, we're we're considering and, and thinking through. Like, how do we try and uh, make it? Uh, and, and it's a uh, consumer, like both uh, like a, a B2C and B2B product. Um, yeah. so how do, how do you like, what, what's the right target? 
and and how do you make that valuable enough that somebody would actually like pay for it uh and how how would how would you make it so that businesses would pay for it and then what's the potential for like consumers and then who who do you want to target very specifically initially in order to help them to see that like this is a problem worth paying for paying to solve mm. and uh also it is uh, pr- providing enough value to either uh, change from what they're doing or really to change from what they're doing right now, which could be nothing or could be in something else that's solving it for them. Mm-hmm. And so demonstrating that and and doing it in a targeted, simple enough way that like they, they see that and they understand mm-hmm. it and they can derive that value like quickly enough. It, it's a, 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 that's what I think is so exciting about one product and product development, but also like, so it it can make the MVP uh, complicated uh, and uh, challenging is that there's no necessarily one right answer. Like there's a whole bunch of right answers to it and you have to figure out like exactly who it is that you want to target, what it is that you want to build initially and hope and figure out that you're asking the right questions that you're, that you're targeting the right group to get the right answers and, uh, understanding their needs well enough and their problems well enough that you can do that successfully. And it's, uh, you, you probably are understanding that too now, like in, in some of what you're doing, like, how do you, I guess I'll turn it around. Like, how are you, <laughs> how are you, dealing with some of that as well? That's a very loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I also want to point out that like, um, this is probably pretty common in a lot of our episodes too, is that there's not one right answer. And then we're sharing our experience. And a lot of the time it feels almost like therapy. (laughs) I just want to say like, um, product people need to stick together because a lot of these things, like nobody has the final answer, but there's always research and studies to back up what we do. And, but still there's not anybody that can tell us like, you're doing this exactly right. Except for, I guess your boss can, but, (laughs) but that's also from his perspective. (laughs) So I think it's, um, it feels really good every time come in for me to talk about these things and, and hear your thoughts on this too. Anyways. Um, what was your question again? How are you tackling the, the issue of MVP in some of the, the uh, products that you're working on currently? Yeah. So this is such a loaded episode. So right now I'm also working on an MVP and right now we're targeting internal users, right? And the scope is always changing, which... <laughs> That, that's kind of, uh, I guess, a signature of a smaller team. And we don't have a lot of very traditional like, product management um, knowledge on the team right now, which I think the team is doing great and we're chasing after the important stuff. But then at the same time, like when we talk about MVP, it kind of falls under a lot of the issues that we've talked about of, of like, are we using that as um, really an excuse to, to, to skip over these important questions or, you know, what are we actually taking, you know, as the MVP, what's the true meaning of MVP for us? And that sounds very philosophical for a team that is already very busy to, to, to answer. But I think 
right now, um, at this very moment, that's kind of top of my mind, um, in my day to day going to work and just thinking like, what can we deliver? What's the experience like, um, within the MVP that we're building and yeah, it's right now I'm where it feels very nebulous, but in my, in the past, I feel like since most of my experience with MVP is usually internal products and some, uh, consumer facing product, I think, like what I mentioned earlier, once you identify the right audience, that's kind of the step one, which probably is actually the easiest thing to do out of all the other discussions that you have to have um, with everybody on MVP and what everyone consider MVP. After identifying the audience, I think that conversation usually goes a lot faster and easier. And so, yeah, I don't feel like I have a lot to add except for it. I just want to say, listener, you're doing great. MVP's hard and we're all in it with you. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's my non-answer answer for you. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to, to talk about a few examples of MVPs. Cause I think that we've, and we've kind of hinted around the edges of some of them, uh, through the discussion. Uh, but I think that it's important it's important to kind of talk through them because I think it highlights uh, how to answer some of those questions and and ways that you can do an MVP and why there's no necessarily one right answer. Like you, you can ask lots of different questions and use lots of different methods to get different answers to those questions. So, and why, probably why there's some confusion too. Uh, so some examples of MVPs, uh, what you can do First off, so I think we're going to go from like the simplest version of MVP to like the most complex. Uh, first, and I've got I've got six of them. So wireframes and mockups, just starting off like as basic an MVP as you can possibly get, like just putting together some sketches or wireframes or mockups, like nothing fancy, but just absolutely like here is a an idea, and uh, you know. And then testing that out with with people. Now, there's I think the benefit of that is that it's fast, it's easy. Uh, you know, you don't have to do any development work, and you can test out lots of different ideas. Obviously, the drawback is it's not actually something that is working. So you, you know, you can't get as much real feedback because it's not like an actual working product. But it it delivers a lot more than just uh, having you know, kind of nebulous conversations about like, Hey, what do you think about something like this? It really gets to the core of like, here it is, take a look at it. And I've used this. Um, I've put together fairly decent mockups and, and, you know, put those into like tools like envision that you can click through and, and have, I've had users walk through like, Hey, do this thing. And then they'll be able to like click through in a limited way, but still like click through different pages and do different things. Um, super useful to do that sort of thing. Landing pages. Uh, I touched on this one with Dropbox, like when, and hopefully probably a lot of you know the story, but when Dropbox, uh, started, they had the idea of like, would people pay for something like this or would they be interested in it? And so they basically put up a landing page of, you know, would you be interested in cloud storage for your files? And I don't remember the exact numbers. I have to look up the video, but like within a day or something, they just had an overwhelming response to, to their landing page of people signing up. And that's how they knew like, Hey, we've got a good idea here. So, uh, if you can get people signing up for your idea, then, you know, you have a pretty good 
start to something just through like a simple landing page. Feel free to jump in if you have like things you want to shout out at. But um, I have one example that I want to bring in, but it's yeah. talked about. Um, I Okay. If you're ready, let me know, because this is going to be one that is very not creative as an answer, but have you heard of Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> That's could, the one. Could you, uh, could you spell it for us? Like Am- Amazon, like the rainforest? <laughs> is that what you're talking about? Um, I think so. Okay. I, I need to Google that to confirm. Yeah. But, um, why that's always like top of mind for a lot of examples. Of course, they have tried a lot of crazy things and also um, them being the biggest e-com platform in the world um, <laughs> makes it topic of conversation a lot of the time. But I do think that Amazon truly built an MVP where they shipped just books, right? At the beginning. Yeah. And you cannot be more MVP than that compared to where they are now. So I think that's a very, very poster child example of what an MVP is. Cause looking at Amazon now, I, you know, I, I, I kind of am curious what the Gen Z generation would uh, think of um, uh, Amazon used to be, if they had to guess what it was before. Cause I think, we, we know, right? Like Amazon started selling books and that was all that they wanted to do. And they do that well. And then they start to expand and, you know, capture other, um, verticals and all now they're the, nobody, you know, well, everyone knows Amazon. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. And (laughs) so, yeah, I think that's probably the most famous MVP example. Do you agree? Yeah. I think that's a great one. And it was, it was very, very intentional. Like Jeff Bezos got into book selling for that very specific reason. He wanted to try out the online retail and he, he knew that books like would be a perfect way to do it just because there are so many of them and they would be, uh, it would be, you can't store them all in a physical store. And so it'd be like the perfect way to start an online, uh, store before he got into a whole bunch of other things. And so like that was, that's like MVP exactly it. Like start there and then branch into other things as you, as you like perfect that business model. Yes. And it, I highly recommend um, these epi- two, I think two to three episodes that this other podcast, uh, Business Wars did on um, the beginning of Amazon. They have a bunch of reenactment about how they were talking about books and why books. And like, if you have to guess, like, you know, Jeff Bezos doesn't care about book as a business, right? He's not like, Oh, I love selling books, but that was (laughs) where they started, which is very interesting. And, but yeah, test out an idea that I don't know. Sometimes I struggle with like, should you build build something that you don't care about, but then (laughs) look at where Jeff is right now and he can do whatever he wants. But yeah, Amazon is a very interesting example for sure. Yeah. Um, they've actually recently, uh, did something too, that, uh, goes into number three. Um, which is crowdfunding, which surprisingly you wouldn't think of Amazon getting into the crowdfunding business, but, um, they did it with some Alexa devices and it's basically like sign up for the like different devices before they actually build them. And if they reach like a critical threshold of devices uh, or of signups and, and payments, then they'll actually go, go ahead and like build those different Alexa powered devices. Like one was like an oh. Alexa cuckoo clock. Another was like an Alexa stick. Alexa just yep. activated. Go. <laughs> I, I, to- I totally forgot that. I, I should not say that. Um, <laughs> anyway, another one that was like a sticky note, uh, 
gen like generator and things like that. But anyway, like crowdfunding, another good example of, of like uh, MVP of trying out an MVP. So like do, you know, being able to, to test out whether or not something is viable before, you know, building like a fully fledged version of it, which, um, somebody was being like critical of Amazon, like, well, why don't you just build out these things before you, you know, you know, do the research and then build them, you know, why do you have to do like this crowdfunding? And I was like, are you crazy? This is like, this is quintessential like product development. Like if you can get people to commit to something and pay for it and, and figure out like, Hey, there's demand here. Let's go ahead and do it. Like that to me is just like, that's, that's perfect. Like that's what everybody wants right, to do. Right. Like if you have the power to do that ahead of time and be like, Hey, we want to do this thing. Will you all pay for it? And then everybody like puts in their credit cards, like, yep, we'll pay for it. And they're like, okay, that's just, we've got money, the demand for it. We'll, we'll go ahead and yeah. we'll go ahead and build it. Like if I could do that with things that I want to build and, you know, products and features, absolutely would, would 100% jump on that. Like that's the perfect market test of, do you have something that people right. want and need and are willing to pay for and that will sustain a business? So, um, yeah, I think crowdfunding is another good one. Um, and then, you know, we get into some more, uh, more involved MVP models or ways to test it out, which I talked a little bit about this it, concierge or like Wizard of Oz, where you build something, but then you do a lot of the work behind the scenes. Um, a classic example of this was like the beginning of Zappos where they were like taking orders, but then like fulfilling them by just going to like the shoe store and then buying them and sending them out. So, you know, you, you build something and then, or like we were doing, like we were building like the base level of functionality in one of our products, but then behind the scenes having to actually do some of the processing behind, behind to make sure everything was working and that sort of thing in order to, to see that what people were doing and, and make it work. Um, so, you know, behind the curtain or like catering and, and doing things, uh, which again, it's, it's obviously not where you want to be for a long period of time, but it can really test out whether, you know, things are working, whether there's demand for it, uh, and whether, you know, you have, it, it can answer some questions for you as far as an MVP goes. Yeah. That's actually, um, interesting point to call out too. And now that I think about it too, and while building MVP is also the phase where I learn about the the users the most, because then there's actually behaviors and data that I can look at and understand better. Like, okay, the future phase of this product, like post MVP, is this the right thing for us to, you know, the right direction? And then go back with that data and insights to the product manager and have that conversation. And I think that happens most during that phase. Yeah. When we have an MVP working. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then kind of the final two go somewhat together and that's actually building the software in a, you know, whatever limited form that you do, you know, wherever you draw the line and wherever that makes sense. Um, in some cases it may be like very minimal in some cases, you know, if you're building an MVP at like an enterprise level where it has to be like fairly robust, that line may be further down and it may include more things like where you have to be more comprehensive in what your MVP yes. looks like. And that's fine. Like MVPs by definition are again, to answer questions and to understand it's not to like ship necessarily to ship something super fast that doesn't include everything like that. 
isn't the okay. definition of MVP. Right. Um, so, you know, building whatever the right level is in order to achieve that, um, whether that's software or the last one being like an actual physical product. So you, building something and getting it, you know, making sure it's the right thing, the right level of thing, and then getting it out there so you can actually test some of the assumptions that you have. I think we can say out loud that MVP doesn't mean toss whatever, you know, garbage out there and see if it sticks. <laughs> That's not what MVP meant to do, or you shouldn't call that even MVP. <laughs> um, that is not the point of MVP. MVP is um, something that is still contains blood, sweat, and, and, and what is the other thing that you put in there? Tears. Uh, tears. How could I forget? <laughs> um, and building, and you should be proud of your MVP. It's not that, oh, okay, MVP is done. Okay, I can, you know, go home and sleep and forget about it forever. So MVP definitely should still be something that you and your whole team is proud of building. And there's a future to growing that MVP. Um, but it is definitely nebulous to define what an MVP is. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's got to be something one to build off of two to learn from and three, I guess, to, to answer something specific that, that you've set out for. And it definitely shouldn't yes. be, it shouldn't be crap. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect, but it, it definitely has to be enough that you can answer some of the questions that, that you're setting out for. And so I think we definitely have to stop using NVP as like the catch all for it's not done or it's half baked or it's, you know, whatever it is that we want to use as an excuse and get back to using it as, you know, we have the, you know, the things that we want to learn, the questions we want to answer. Right. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it with this uh, minimal viable, valuable, lovable, whatever you want to insert in there right. product. And it's going to help us achieve that. But it is, it is still just, just the right level of whatever it is that we need to do, but it is something that is worthwhile and it's not just garbage yep. that we're, we're tossing out there. Yeah. I want to clarify too. When I say nebulous is not because the definition of what MVP is, is nebulous is that the process of defining what that MVP is for your company, for what you're looking to get that process feels very nebulous at times. But yeah. I think once you define some of these parameters, it's going to, it's going to be okay. Yeah. We're here for you there with you. you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. There you go. There's MVP. Yeah. I feel like MVP is one of those topics that is still, I'm learning a lot of what that can look like and there's not one final answer. Changes everywhere. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, the difficult part, but also the exciting part. It doesn't have to be one yes. specific answer. And I think we get hung up on trying to define exactly what it is in all circumstances. And I don't think there is an answer in all circumstances, what an MVP is, um, yes. specifically other than it's got to be kind of like what we already talked about. So don't, mm -hmm. don't try and get hung up on MVPs all have to look the same or be the same or act the same in order to be an MVP, but they do need to have these common themes that we've talked about in order to help you. Like that's, that's the whole point is they've got to help you achieve 
what you're setting right. out for, but don't like, let's stop calling the garbage stuff that we're creating <laughs> and let's stop creating the garbage. Like, don't, don't do that. Let's not do that anymore. Yes. Bottom line, bottom line. That's the bottom line is that use the resource and time you have to create the best MVP you can. Yeah. I feel like we should clap, but yay. Clap, that's... clap track there. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we'll get sound bites and all the fancy stuff. See, this podcast is an MVP or is it? It is it? Uh, good. Yeah, I guess it, it kind of has been. A now little it bit. makes me question. Yeah, yeah. It makes me question everything I'm doing. Is everything I'm doing MVP? <laughs> Living an MVP life. Uh, I think now that I bought a house, it's kind of post MVP. My MVP adult life, you know, ended when I bought a house. There you go. Is yeah. that is that how it works? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Anything you want to add about MVP? No, that's it. That's the final word. <laughs> Yay for MVPs. And should we head into our weekly, bi-weekly product shout outs and gripes? Let's do what it. What do you have this week? Well, I feel like I kind of stole some of my own steam at the very beginning. I was going to give a shout out to pies for pie day. Um, but full I, circle. We yeah, we, we've come full circle. And I, I mean, I, I give a shout out at the beginning, but I'll, I'll give another shout out uh, to pies here at the very end, which a um, little history on pies for you. <laughs> they, it's our new, new episode about pie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll pro- probably have to do a longer episode, but um, they were, so for a long time, they were traditionally like meat and vegetable, which I, I care nothing for, for savory pies. So I'm sorry, every, anybody who loves savory meat, vegetable type pies originally um, made popular by, I, I think like the Egyptians and Greeks did them, but um, the Romans um, popularized them and spread them broadly as the Romans did so many things. And the English, I think, perfected them, but they were all like savory pies. And then the Americans, as we do, we sweetened them. And when we got, what? when the American uh, colonizers got here, oh. they used what was at hand, which was like, I think a lot of berries and fruits starting putting them in pies and it became a, an American tradition, the fruit pie. And then we just started, we just went from there. And so shout out to sweet American pies, which (laughs) a delicious, delicious treat. And I, yeah, again, I care nothing for the meat pies and, and whatnot. Oh, but I fruit pies, delicious, sweet, anything sweet pie. Awesome. So you're telling me that uh, Americans is the reason why pies are all, all just like sugar and sugar and sugar. Uh, I, I, I believe so. That's sugar and hearing. round. Cause I think they started doing them round just to save. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's what? Yeah. And shallow. Uh, they were deeper. So they, they what? were, yeah. Um, and yeah, they were deeper from what I understand. They were like square, but they, in order to maximize the amount of, of what they were using, they started to do them round and were started to do them shallower. Uh, so yeah, all of those things. Wow. I, my, my brain is hurting because that is different than what I, how I think pie, you know, 
came to be. Oh, there's so much. How they are. I think I think I think I might do like a separate pie episode, uh, <laughs> just on. Hi, wait, no, you have to start a new podcast, and we're gonna call it Piecast. Pie, How about a that? Piecast. <laughs> all pie, all the time. Here. <laughs> You're here. I'm gonna go trademark that name tomorrow. But let me know if you want to buy that off me. Piecast. There we go. So shout out That's to Pies. But I cannot believe you don't like the savory kind no, as much. Never, never cared for, for savory pie. So I guess at the beginning, I didn't even need to tell you like, forget about shepherd's pie or. No, 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 no. Such a comforting food though. A lot of people love it. Shepherd's pie, pot pie. Not, no, do not, do not care for it. <laughs> so I, I, I apologize. Yeah. I apologize to all of our English <laughs> listeners. But thank you for pie. Uh, we, we, hat, we tip our hats to you and acknowledge that uh, pie was definitely uh, an English tradition. From from what I have read, they they took that, ran with it, and made it a thing. I I love pie. Doesn't matter savory <laughs> or sweet, but as long as it's not too sugary, I'm down. I okay. You know what? Let me let me. Make it clear. For savory pie, do not give me a pie that only has goo inside. If it's savory, I want actual substance, like solid texture. I've had ugh, probably frozen from grocery store, not a real handmade pie. But I remember one time eating a shepherd's pie, like frozen kind in college or something. And there were just goo and like three pieces of carrot and like two pieces of chicken. And I was like, no, no, this no. is not a soup bowl. This is a pie. Yep. Anyways, and then if it's sweet, I want to taste apple. I want to taste the actual fruit. I do not want to taste just sugar. That's it. Yeah. Okay. You ready for my yeah. gripe? I have a yeah. big gripe this week. <laughs> I've been saving this one because it's been a few weeks. I'm just giving myself a chance to maybe it's going to get better, but it has not. Um, are you ready for this? Yeah. This is one that you're going to laugh. I also am very curious how you think um, this contributes to society. Okay. Touch bar. touch bar my man that is i i just recently got a new computer uh for my new job and it's a newer mac that comes with a touch bar Mm -hmm. and i mean i've interacted with a touch bar before but i just cannot 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 buy into touch bars and i knew i wasn't gonna like it gave it literally a month not a fan what is your view on touch bar? I guess I'm relatively indifferent. So I understand like the passion against them. <laughs> the passion against them? You mean the hatred? Yes, the hatred, <laughs> the absolute hatred That's of a nice them. Nice way to put it. Uh, okay. I don't think anybody's passionate for them that I've seen. Yeah, I'm relatively indifferent. Um, I, I use, like I have two, so I've got my personal laptop and my work laptop both have it. My work laptop pretty much stays on a stand and I use a keyboard. So I rarely mm-hmm. interact. And then my personal laptop, um, I just don't find I use uh, that, like either the touch bar that frequently or would use those keys that frequently t- that it matters to me that much. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I definitely could understand, uh, which is why I think they're bringing back yeah. or getting rid of the touch bar and bringing back the... I'm glad you pointed out. Yeah. Um, among other things. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that they took things too far, uh, including like getting rid of all the ports and stuff. And I think they're actually bringing back some in the next iteration of MacBooks, which is, it's going to be super nice. Yes. 
Um, so that's actually something I thought about bringing up or not, because I, <laughs> this is a strong view that I, I think a lot of people share is Apple made some mistakes with <clears throat> touch bar and along with a couple other things. And now they're, they're just like, nope, undo, undo, undo. And I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good to, to have physical keys again. And also, um, keeping the current keyboard. I like the rest of the keyboard. Don't get me wrong. And just the touch bar that I cannot find good news for it. And I cannot like interact with it without looking at it. You just never know where you're going with the touch bar. That's my biggest, biggest, biggest problem with it. And I think they set out to um, expect applications to build, you know, oh, now that you have the flexibility to provide whatever keys you want for each individual application, that would be so cool. All the developers, you need to build something for the touch bar, right? I think that was very much the the, the goal at the beginning, at least how I understand it. Um, and it just never happened. I don't think a lot of the applications have, have, you know, that capability built in. And also it goes back to the same issue I have is that if that bar changes, everything I open and I cannot even feel the keys with my hand, with my fingers, then it just slows me down. Um, anyways, so don't love it. And I'm excited to have some physical keys again that I can just quickly, you know, smash my keyboard and do everything I want to do. Yeah. But also really miss the the charger. I think that's what you're also getting at too, right? The detachable yeah. charger instead of the USB-C that, I thought that was one of the most brilliant things, you know, that they offered before when the older Macs had that cord where you can just knock mm. it over and it's fine. Right. Yep. So yeah, I'm very excited about the next gen. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be good. I think I agree. Um, yeah, I think that in, I think that there's only so far that you need to make a, a computer thin and i think that they've like mm-hmm. they've gone like far enough and made too many compromises like in in the keyboard and in some other things and like i think there's a usability aspect that you just have to consider you know before you uh yes. before you continue so like make make sure that the keyboard is is really good still and make sure that other things are just really really good before you continue taking things away like thin you know like thickness and uh charging and even ports like i'm i struggle like every time i have to connect stuff up like i'm connecting just a whole host of uh peripherals and things which i'm i'm not a huge fan of i don't i don't i I forget if they're going to add back um like an SD card port or something. I don't remember if that was part of it. That I can go with that. It, I, I mean, oh man, I I use that so frequently. Yeah. But um, and a I don't think there's enough room for a standard USB. I'm just looking at my Mac right now. But <laughs> but you know, I've got my adapters and stuff. So anyway, yeah. But. I feel like Apple is where we can all come together and just complain, complain, complain about so many things. But yeah, I think we're all in it together. And I also love the way you put it. Um, how did you put it? Uh, you have gone far enough. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Apple, you've gone far you, enough. You've, yeah. You've gone, you've gone, you've taken too, you've gone too far in some of yes. the design, like just 
take a step back and make sure that the functionality is there before you push things further. Yep. Give the people what we need. Yeah. Not what you think we need, which we do not need dongos. The 500 dongos that we can buy to make one thing work. Yeah. Yep. Kyle's shaking his head. So so you guys know. Yep. I'm excited to move past that phase and pretend it never happened. So that's right. Is that it? That's it. Thank you for listening to my grab and thank you for um, you listeners for being here. And that's it. Goodbye. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time.